So here we are at a pen full of Kelly Bronze turkeys. These turkeys are wild in the woods, and what we're going to try and do is have a gobbling competition. Now, female turkeys actually don't gobble, they cluck. They make a very noise. And if I do that, the male turkeys will hear it, and they'll probably get turned on and gobble back. So let's give it a go. Perfect. That means I'm the perfect female turkey. Welcome to Frustration Nation, presented by Shoot Your Shot Sports. We are the FN Podcast for FN fans of FN Sports teams. Every episode we explore the heartbreak, horror, and humiliation of what it means to be a diehard fan. I'm your pessimistic host and Chicago fan, Furious George, and I'm here with my miserable co-host and Detroit fan, Man in the Michigan Hat. Man in the Michigan Hat, what is going on today? This Thanksgiving, we are feasting on the NBA draft, a dismal week for the NFC North, and a thrilling Michigan overtime victory against Rutgers. So grab your fork and join all Bears and Lions fans in shoving that fork in your eyes so you don't have to watch the garbage that will be on your screen this long weekend. Then grab some turkey and rolls to gag your mouth so your family won't have to hear you scream on this wonderful holiday. <laughs> I don't even know how to transition, but let's go into There is no session. transition. <laughs> <laughs> Except for more anger, which is appropriate. That's right. Um, uh, well, I am. What I wrote down exactly was the McCaff. <laughs> Yeah, read that exactly how you wrote it. <laughs> I wrote, the McCaskies allowing Ryan Pace to sniff their bunghole. Mm. Now, generous of them. The reason I put that, it is because there was a report that came out earlier this week that, this is from Michael Lombardi, who mm -hmm. I, I know his dad was Vince, so it's like, take it with a grain of salt, but... He's still technically a reliable NFL source. Yeah, he's like involved in sc NFL scouting and stuff. He's up or up, you know. He's up there. People know him, trust him. He was interviewed on six seventy The Score, uh, Chicago's one of Chicago sports radio stations, not a sponsor, mm -hmm. and he shared on there that in the overall league opinion is that Ryan Pace has quote unquote endear endeared himself to the McCaskey family mm -hmm. and that they're the perception league-wide is that he is not in jeopardy of losing his job and <clears throat> this is my event sesh because not it's not even necessarily because of the state of the bears like obviously the bears are in trouble um when you look at the their cap situation for next year their draft situation for next year with the way their record is this year um mm -hmm. they 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 don't have enough money to sign a big free agent they don't have enough money they're not going to be in a position to draft anybody good um at this point like the bears are in trouble for the future like if you're a bears fan like i know a lot of people are ch like hoping the bears lose out so you can get zach wilson or something mm -hmm. 
like if if you want Zach Wilson, you better hope he's like an immediate impact player because otherwise, you better brace yourself. Like you better enjoy the rest of this year and brace yourself for like another two to three years of sucking, just so that you can get back into a competitive state. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes back to Ryan Pace and decisions he made. Mm-hmm. Ryan Pace, once he drafted Trubisky in seventeen, determined without really even seeing him play that this is the quarterback of the future. He's going to be our franchise QB, which I know is something you wish for with the second overall pick and the top quarterback in the draft, but there was not really much evidence of that, and he mortgaged the entire Bears' future with bad contracts and very costly trades, Mm -hmm. and now you're seeing the results of that, um, including... Robert Quinn, who is the highest paid player on the Bears this year, has one sack, three tackles for losses, and I think six total quarterback pressures or something like like barely making a dent. Mm-hmm. Um, just very brutal. Um, people have been saying for weeks that Pace and Nagy need to be fired. And based on this report, I still think Nagy's gone, but I think – I. I'm feeling more and more strongly that the McCaskies are going to give Pace another shot at rebuilding this team, um, which makes me brings up a whole other issue for me, which is Nagy is often given at least partial credit for helping the Chiefs select Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. because at the time Pat Mahomes was ranked after both Trubisky and Watson and the Chiefs leapfrogged Houston and grabbed Mahomes, which I think a lot of people were probably expecting Watson to go at that point. Yep. Um, and so the the problem I have with that is presumably Nagy's fired at the end of the year, but then you're going to let Pace go by himself and draft another QB after your quote-unquote QB genius Nagy is fired. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to keep Pace – to pick the next QB at that point, I'd rather you just keep Nagy at least for one more year and let Nagy pick the next guy. Hmm. Um, so anyway, I have a lot of concerns about this. And the, la- the last piece to this that makes me so frustrated by this report is as a Bulls fan, we've dealt with Jerry Reinsdorf being loyal to a fault. Um, if you watched The Last Dance, you saw that evident. Uh, if you've been a Bulls fan since then, that's been abundantly clear mm-hmm. with 20-plus years of Garp hacks just doing nothing but keeping the Bulls at mediocrity other than the two of the however many Derrick Rose years, and they lucked into that. Um, hmm. And we finally get out from under that pattern. We finally get our tourist Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley in the front office. They're finally given, like, full control over everything. Like, you finally feel like you're free from this um, <laughs> free from this burden of favoritism. Mm-hmm. And now we're coming back now to the Bears where you have the family that owns it now showing favoritism and loyalty, again, probably to a fault, to this GM who, yes, he built the defense to be back up to be elite. The Bears' defense is top three this year, mm-hmm. but their offense is <clears throat> bottom two. Like, they're the 31st offense in this league. Yeah. Um, 
just quick perspective by DVOA, the Bears are third in defense. I don't exactly know what their DVOA is for offense, but their DVOA for their whole team is 19th, which shows you how horrible their offense is. So the offense is worse than the defense is better, like as far as basically because yeah. if not, then they would have met more in the middle at like right. know, 15, 16. Yep, they're 19, which is and so anyway. Uh, I've talked a lot about this at this point, but it, it frustrates me that I guess really at all in the in the business that is sports that you could allow yourself to be, and I, maybe it's naive of me to say this because I'm not an owner, but it feels um, it feels naive. Well, wait, wait, no, I said that already. It just seems foolish to me mm-hmm. that you would tie yourself to a specific person so closely. Um, I think there's exceptions with that. Like Bill Belichick is somebody you give him the benefit of the doubt because the guy's won so much. Earned it. Yeah. Yeah. But Ryan Pace hasn't won anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's all I have to say no, that's... about McCaskey's and Ryan Pace. Yeah. That's a good thought. Oh. Like to me, hearing the word endear just makes me cringe because I'm f- very familiar with the same kind of dynamic between owners and GMs and, or coaches, Endear is like a word you used to describe like with your kids. Like I'm going to love yep. them no matter what. That's not how it should work between an employee and an employer. Like endear, I love you no matter what. No, your performance is what earns loyalty. And so say he's endeared just comes across as, and maybe it's just kind of up management speak uh front office speak but there are or times maybe it's the word that mark michael lombardi used maybe that's not the proper word but right but it definitely he's reporting gives you, what he's heard yeah and i think the, he uses that word meaning that like a, a kind of a blind loyalty almost um and you're gonna see some of the like the whole pay alan robinson thing if you look at the cap situation alan robinson's not going to be a bear next year nope. um and the best thing the bears can just, do is franchise tag him and then trade him immediately yeah and it's the lions are in the same situation with kenny galladay i mean maybe they pay him but at this point it looks like he doesn't even want to play for the team and you never had the chance to trade him while his value was highest now he's probably going to go for next to nothing um which is just a symptom of bad uh bad gm bad owners and a bad dynamic between them so well and you you tweeted out something earlier uh about Something that Matthew Stafford appeared to say on camera. Yeah. That uh <laughs> I don't know I don't know the context of that, but just after he was sacked to end a drive, I think. I just feel like that could encapsulate most of his career. Like especially yeah. the post Calvin Johnson years. It felt like that was very much a culmination of all the frustration he's been feeling for a long time. Um, like asked to do it all and then put behind an offensive line that's struggling the way they are. Like he didn't have a great game at all, but the team around him is so bad and has been bad for so long. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I know this isn't your vent sesh, but what do the lions do next year with quarterback? Do do you try to trade and get something for Stafford? Cause well, if you would have drafted Tua like I wanted you to in this past draft, that answers your question. Um, that's why you draft a quarterback when you have that high of a draft pick, even if you don't need a quarterback that next year, because now what's going to happen is the lions are going to have like a, like a more mid-level pick this year. And now you missed your chance to really get a top 
difference making yep. quarterback. You take advantage of having that spot when you're there, even if you think, oh, we don't need a quarterback this year. Because what happens is injuries creep up on you. His in- his career could end sooner than you think. And if the especially team's with someone rebuild, as old as Stafford, yeah, that if was you, your spot to grab a quarterback. If you were the Chiefs and had Mahomes and somehow had a really down year, right? Or like if Mahomes was out for the whole year, yep, because of an injury, like yeah, you probably don't need a quarterback. Like if I'm the but, Steelers and next year is a really bad year, even if Big oh, yeah. Ben's going to play the following year, that's your spot to get a quarterback. If you're the Atlanta Falcons, you better get a quarterback in the draft this year. Um, yep. If you're at one of those top six seven picks maybe you don't need one I mean, next year but take advantage even, of that draft capital while it's there even um, like someone like the buccaneers like yeah obviously they're gonna make the playoffs but if they had a bad year yep. like if next year's a bad year with brady like brady is not the future of your team right like you better get a quarterback when you can like the saints it's amazing yep. actually the saints like i know that neither Taysom hill nor Jameis winston are like the ideal quarterback you want Mm -hmm. but it's actually impressive that they have both of those guys as options for them on their team yeah um so and just to be consistent obviously like we did make fun of the packers drafting a quarterback that's different because you're late in the late in the draft late in the first round you traded up to like 24 you traded up to get a guy in a spot where you could get a guy any year but what i'm saying is when you're in one of those top spots like when you have a top five pick and an aging quarterback you get a quarterback. Like, yep. So just frustrated by that. But I, yeah, this year, like, I would have tried to trade Stafford this year, honestly. Um, Good thing the Packers didn't draft Herbert. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God. I mean, the thing is, we still wouldn't know how good he is. So maybe they drafted the next True. Herbert. But yeah, well, love just frankly doesn't look like it, but we'll see. So, um, but yeah, I would, I would be thinking. This year, even if you end up not having a great draft pick, probably trying to draft a quarterback again this year. The Bears have no choice. Yeah, the Bears need a draft. Trubisky is gone after. Like you can tag Trubisky for next year if you really want to. Mm-hmm. But why would you do that? Yeah. And so he's gone. Full. You have Foles for one more year. Do you really want to start Foles again after the way this went? Yeah. May, I mean, maybe you can just maybe if you get a rookie that needs some time to sit. Yep. Maybe you start Foles for the first half of the season, but I don't want Foles starting the entire season. At least in my opinion, yeah. especially if it's a throwaway season anyway. Get the young guy out there to get some playing time anyway. And unless you're getting either Fields or Lawrence, I'd say all the other quarterbacks are guys that you should draft and not plan to have them start immediately the next season. Yeah, Wilson, um, Trask. Lance, yeah, those are guys I um, draft and maybe plan mid Jones, the middle of next season, ease them in, kind of thing. So, yeah. Anyway, there's a lot to say on that, but yeah, definitely. I, I've been as a Bears fan, I've been trying to look at the different team, the yeah. di- those different quarterbacks, and trying to determine which one is the most Bears quarterback name I could think of. Trask is uh pretty close to trash, which is <laughs> <laughs> seems appropriate, it, but yeah, it's funny because Kyle Kyle Trask does sound like the name of a quarterback the bears would draft yeah well kyle orton was a recent kyle quarterback so, yeah. yeah like mac jones does not sound like a bears quarterback to me hmm. um zach wilson does trey lance does trey lance does probably because lance briggs like lance maybe. sounds like a bears name maybe. yeah it's they're interesting all, so they're all yeah. gonna fail on the bears <laughs> yeah well there's so much more we could rant about with our own team's 
front offices and incompetence, but my vent sesh is Ohio State football fans. Um, you saw some of this on Twitter because uh, I saw you <laughs> commented on it. Um, yeah. All right. I'm going to – I've typed this out. Uh, I'm going to kind of just read through my rant. Um, and I had a lot more I had written and could say, but it's just every once in a while I, just, I don't – I don't know what he's about to say, everybody, but I have a feeling that whatever he's about to say also applies for Packers. Fans. I was going to say, there's a lot of similarities. <laughs> I actually mentioned them in the second sentence of this rant. Um, so, yeah, let me get into it. But, the, yeah, it's a good comparison. Ohio State football fans are the most obnoxious, entitled, and, frankly, idiotic people in the in the entire universe. Yes, sir, yacht. <laughs> if you think Packers fans like you said, or Patriots fans or whatever are entitled and spoiled. You must not know any Buckeyes fans. Imagine this. Cause I like telling stories and painting pictures. It helps me understand. Imagine you go to buy a fishing boat, right? You spend all summer working hard, saving up money. Finally, you have enough cash to buy this boat and you get all excited. And there's a sense of pride because you're actually going to have something to look forward to this season. Yeah, maybe it's not a great boat. It has some problems. It needs some work, but it's your boat, and you love it, and you're excited to buy it. And then the annoying little kid who lives down the street comes over and laughs at you because he has a 40-foot yacht. Sir yacht? I see what you did there. (laughs) Yeah, maybe his daddy (laughs) bought it for him, and okay, maybe he never worked a day in his life. Yeah, maybe nobody likes him. All he knows, though, is that his boat's better than yours, and he has to constantly remind all the other kids of that on Twitter. Then on the rare occasion that his boat has a problem, he then has to freak out, throw himself on the ground, and roll around in his own crap until daddy breaks out the checkbook to fix it. Mm. Then this kid conveniently forgets that there was ever a problem, and he goes back to bragging about his perfect effing boat. That's Buckeyes fans. They haven't had a bad season since the 90s, always have the best recruits and coaches, always have a good quarterback, and always have to make sure that you know about it. But then when they get boat raced by Purdue a couple years ago, or Iowa blows them out, or just this past week, Justin Fields throws three interceptions against Indiana, then all of a sudden the sky's falling. It's the end of the world. Ryan Day should kill himself, and they wish that their star cornerback would catch COVID. These are things I saw from Ohio State fans on Twitter this week. Or I, as a Michigan fan, go on Twitter and say that, okay, Ohio State is going to blow Michigan out by 40 points. But then I dare to suggest that maybe Ohio State has some problems and that they might lose when they face a playoff caliber team. How dare you? So now Ohio State fan forgets all the trash that he talked about his own team and they, all they have to say is, <laughs> Michigan sucks. We're going to be champs this year. Fields is way better than Lawrence. <laughs> Ohio State is the one program in the Big Ten that seems to never have down years. But the first time they do, their fan base is going to implode like a black hole. Like Buckeyes fans have some self-awareness and some logical consistency. You've had it far too good to complain as much as you do. And you've never had to learn how to think logically through tough sports questions. Ohio State fans are a brutal combination of arrogance and stupidity that you can only find 
when one of the best college programs happens to be located in one of the least educated and intelligent states in America. And that is Ohio State fans. I love that you came at this like, I have a prepared statement. Uh, <laughs> a press conference, like a press yeah. release. My speech writer actually wrote <laughs> Um No, like, it's funny because you said if you think the Packers or Patriots fans are entitled, you don't know any Buckeyes fans. I know very few Buckeyes fans. Um, probably more virtue of where I live. Mm-hmm. But um, it's also probably because I haven't been a college fan for as long. But it's funny because, to me, I feel that way way more about the Packers because yeah. you they, like, all of my friends that are Packers fans, like, when I was born, Favre was already in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And here I am, 20, I'll be 27 in a couple months, and... They oh look, there's still a Hall of Fame quarterback running that team. They've only ever had two quarterbacks in their whole Hall of lifetime. Fame, yeah. Hall of Fame like record-setting quarterback, Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks, and, and it's a, yeah, a very good comparison because Packers fans will complain when they have they have no understanding of what it's like to struggle. But then you could also make an argument that as good as the Packers have been, they should have won more Super Bowls than they yeah. have. But then immediately the same Packers team that complains for no reason about small things will turn around and suddenly forget that they've been bashing their own team and then say, well, look how bad the Lions are. We always beat the Bears. Like, basically, they're the only ones who are allowed to criticize their own team and they're the most spoiled and entitled fans in the NFL. Um, and, yeah, well, it's a very similar comparison. for. Ohio so State. speaking of that, then, I don't, I don't know this, but how many – national championships has ohio state won since the 90s they won in 2014 and they won in let me see they've won one more in the 2000s i think so basically ohio state and the packers are almost identical in terms of their competitiveness reputation and success yep in the same amount of time so from Mm -hmm. the you know, early to mid nineties to now. Yeah. They you have won team... in the sorry, nineteen seventy they won. And then since then they've won in two thousand two and two thousand fourteen. So two Yeah. Two and championships like... since the seventies. So pretty comparable. And, yeah. And that's also like two totally different eras, just like the two Packers Super Bowls are one's a Favre Super Bowl. Yep. One's a Rogers Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um it it really is I never put this together until right now how remarkably similar mm-hmm. those two fan bases are. Um, and I can really relate to you with the Packers' thoughts because as a Michigan fan, we struggle every year to find a good quarterback. And they just, no matter who their quarterback is, which for yeah. them it's different because it changes every year, but it almost makes it more frustrating because every few years I think, okay, now is going to be the guy who takes a step back and just isn't as good. And every year the, the next quarterback's just as good. Um and I will be the first to acknowledge Ohio State is by far the better program right now, uh, top to bottom, more talented, uh, better coaches, better at every position. Um, but then if I make a comment like, yes, Ohio State's clearly better than Michigan, but based on past years, based on what I see on the field, I don't think they're as good as Clemson or Alabama or probably Notre Dame. Um maybe Florida, like there's several teams they would lose to. 
then all of a sudden like it's changed the subject talk about how bad michigan is like you can't why can't you take any criticism you know it's just yep very very frustrating and there's i mean i have friends who are ohio state fans there's some who are in who are reasonable in person but as far as social media fan bases the packers and ohio state are both some of the most unreasonable people you'll ever meet when it comes to fans that you don't know in person yep i mean it's it's the same it can go for any like if you were a bulls fan that grew up in the 90s like until you hit the early 2000s you never knew what you never knew the bulls could play bad basketball yeah if you're if you if you're if you're a kid listening to this uh and you grew up with the 2015 to 2019 cubs you're like the cubs are the greatest team in you know history of baseball which is an oxymoron (laughs) or the Um, blackhawks when they were not even on tv and you can pick any era like kids during the 80s the bears are this awesome team they won one super bowl like it it's easy and so then the patriots are definitely another team (laughs) right where the fans have like it's it is preposterous that they've played in nine super bowls Mm -hmm. since the year 2000 and have won six of them that's that's literally ridiculous Mm -hmm. um and i mean i don't i'm not crapping on the patriots like i don't really hate the patriots either but i'm saying it's easy it's easy to see how fans can become entitled anyway yep we've been on this for a while and so let's go ahead and transition into the michigan game because we already were kind of we're talking college football um yeah so i watched this game uh or most of it um and first of all i'll say it looks like uh mcnamara should have been starting all along because he looked pretty good which just makes this whole thing that much more frustrating like he's clearly better than Joe Milton. I think if McNamara starts, we'd beat Michigan State. That's I don't think we would have beat Indiana or Wisconsin, but we at least wouldn't have to deal with losing to a terrible Michigan State team. Yeah, uh, which just makes me question the coaches that much more. Like, what are you looking at? Well, and hold on. Like, I would like to pump the brakes on Wisconsin for a minute. How good is Wisconsin really? They have two wins, and they lost to Northwestern just now. Yeah, they're two and one. What what is this team? Like how how can anyone say they yeah. they're really good? It might they say more Michigan about Michigan. And than they, Ohio, who than did they beat week one? Uh, Illinois. Yeah. So you beat Illinois. Yeah. And you beat Michigan, and now you lose to Northwestern. Maybe that says more about Michigan, and Michigan's more. You know what I mean? Michigan might be more like Illinois than they are like Northwestern. <laughs> so, yeah. And do you ever think you'd say that? <laughs> I, Man, that's a heck of two teams to be stuck between. <laughs> two historically bad Illinois teams. And yeah, Michigan's trying to fight to be considered better than one of them. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh, man. It's just so hard to even almost think about Michigan as being as bad as they are. Like a, a bottom level Big Ten team. It did not seem possible they could drop off that fast. And what really really rubbed me the wrong way was after the game a game that i watched and sat through and felt terrible about i was not happy with that win any michigan fan i guilted him into it i was like messaging him i was he was like oh i'm not watching it and i was like fire you're fired get him out like fine i'll watch it because i wasn't even doing anything really and then uh i mean once i started watching it at that point what i knew that what i was watching was so historically bad i almost needed to watch the rest of it 
just yep. so I could comment on it. Um, because this was rock bottom. Like these past few games have been rock bottom, not just for Harbaugh, like for the program. It was not this bad with Rich Rod and Brady Hoke, and they were terrible coaches. Rich Rod. Yeah. <laughs> Rich Rodriguez. Because at least with him, the team was somewhat exciting, mm. and it was way less talented. So at least you could understand it. This team is way too talented to be this bad. Um, it really, really rubbed me the wrong way to see Harbaugh after the game, jumping up and down, celebrating at one point during the game celebrating because his team allowed a field goal to Rutgers so that Rutgers went ahead, I think in the fourth quarter and like high-fiving celebrating because we held them to a field goal. Are you serious? We beat this team 78 to nothing three years ago, dude. I thought it was actually worse in the first overtime when the, when Rutgers missed their field goal, he was celebrating. It's like, Michigan just missed a field goal. Like mm-hmm. Michigan missed the field goal in overtime, and, and he then missed Rutgers an missed. easy field, like a thirty-something yard field goal, and barely missed it. Like Rutgers should have won the game right there, and you're celebrating like you schemed something up to cause that. Like I get, he's a coach, he knows his job is on the line, and he cares about winning. Like he's probably trying to do whatever he can to pump up his play. Right, and I get why the. The players would be exciting too, but man, excited too. It's just a bad look though. And then after the game, like I maybe could excuse in the moment, you're emotional, you won a tough game. Sure, be happy, jump up and down. It it looks stupid, but whatever. But then to come out after the game and say things like this in his press conference. As far as the juice on the team, I think the guys are playing with energy. Guys are really into it and passionate and playing the game to the best of their God-given ability. And that's everything I can ask for. Are you watching the same game I'm watching? We have four and five star players, and this is the best of their God-given ability. If you recruited a four star and a five star player, and this is the best of their ability, that's on you for not recognizing that. For not looking at him and saying the best of his ability is a two star level player. So either they're not giving you their best, or they are, and you recruited some really terrible players. So that's not good. And then he also says after this, talking about the game, quote, the feeling I had, it was one heck of a game to be playing in. It looked like every player out there was having fun playing football. And Rutgers looked like they were having fun. Having fun playing Rutgers had a shot. Was this would this have been their first win in history against Michigan? No, they did win against Rich Rod. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Which was their first win in the Big Ten. I think it was against Richard or maybe Hoke. I don't remember. But, um, yeah, obviously a historically bad program. It would have been a big win for them, even though Michigan's not a good team this year. Like, it was a heck of a game to be playing in. It looked like every player out there was having fun. Like, how can that not rub you the wrong way as a Michigan fan? You should be yep. disgusted after this game. You should be firing coordinators. You should be swearing in your press conference. You should be flipping tables and breaking microphones, having fun playing football. This is disgusting. So, as a Bears fan, if the Bear like, so the Bears play the Packers this upcoming week. If the Bears come out and beat the Packers, will I be excited? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like. But the reality is the only way the Bears know how to win is to win ugly at this point. And you're coming off a four-game losing streak where you've where the offense has scored like 17 points total over like th- 
three games or whatever, three of those four games, mm-hmm. you cannot, you cannot, like I, I would have a hard time if the Bears go and do club dub, like it, yeah. being the Packers would be a big deal, you know, obviously because it's the Packers, mm-hmm. maybe because of the Packers I give an exception, but I would if too, they, yeah. but if they you like, lose like, to the Packers like, and then beat the Lions, and the whole club dub thing, yeah. Or beat or lose to the Packers, lose to the Lions, then beat the Texans. Right. Like, yep. Yeah. Anyway, no. Yeah. I, it's just it, it really I totally rubs agree me with wrong. You. Um, it I, makes I think me sick, and it, it he's clearly a dead man walking who doing everything he can to try to save his job. Like he knows yeah. he's on the hot seat, but have some dignity. Like have some freaking pride. Don't act like this was a big achievement. Um, Michigan fans saying like oh it was a good win this saved the season like seeing all the stupid michigan fans on twitter who are acting like this is a signature win and then the coach backing it all up too it's just the state of our program right now is atrocious the good news like if you have to take anything good away from this like we already said up top is mcnamara looks like he could be good yeah and and he's only a sophomore frankly it's ridiculous that harbaugh like you said, didn't recognize that talent to begin with because if, like you said, McNamara starts the season, maybe you beat Michigan State, maybe you beat Wisconsin or play it closer against Indiana than what it was. Like maybe, maybe mm-hmm. if McNamara started this whole time, you're talking about an undefeated Michigan team at this point. Yeah. Like it is not that it's not that big of a stretch to think that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the rest of the team isn't playing well either, but. If you don't lose to Michigan State, yep. maybe the team is still playing really well. Because losing to Michigan State, you could see a huge drop in energy after that. Um, yeah. So who knows? Uh, but we will never know because this team <laughs> has been so mismanaged, mishandled, and yeah. um, has no identity. Uh, yeah. I could keep going on and on, but just so much frustration coming out of that game. And I'm yeah. planning on this next Michigan game to go back to what worked so well for me and just taking a week off. Yep. Well, it's yeah, Michigan Penn State uh it's just going to be an ugly game mm-hmm. no matter. I'm probably going to try to tune in for some of it at least just because I feel like it's going to be one of those games where it's going to be so uh, it's going to be like a car like accident. a Mac game. <laughs> Maction. <laughs> just fumbles no, and crazy stuff happening. Well, or... Yeah, I think it's going to be more like a car accident where it's just like a tragedy in the making, mm-hmm. but it's so fascinating and so tragic that you can't look away one of these coaches should this should cost him his job whichever coach loses i honestly think both coaches should be fired this year Um, then what this feels like a nail in the coffin for one of these coaches what they should do if that's the case then is they should line the coaches up at midfield and they should just have them fist fight for four quarters (laughs) a firing squad (laughs) i think if i think a fist fight would be funny and whoever wins just have it be like old battles like david and goliath are like in the movie troy like send out your champion both teams <laughs> send their coach out to midfield they fight to the death and whichever coach wins his team wins and you don't even play the game and they keep the job and everyone yeah. would tune in for that you yeah, get the best ratings ever <laughs> yeah that'd be great <laughs> um well speaking of an- another team that didn't show up uh the lions uh got shut out uh was it 20 to nothing i think yeah and it should have um, been worse yeah yeah so i did not watch any of this game uh we had i'm at my in-laws right now we actually had the uh titans ravens game on instead of this one so oh, a real uh, game 
fill me in on like I all I know is PJ Walker started and he looked pretty good from what I saw. Yeah, he Other was than that so- I don't know anything. He was solid. Lions struggled to move the ball. Had a touchdown called back because of a penalty. Offensive line was terrible. Stafford was getting dropped the whole game. Um, super frustrated on the sideline at multiple points, which was understandable. L- missing DeAndre Swift really hurt. No weapons on offense for him. With how bad the offensive line is and the ta- lack of talent on the outside, he just didn't have enough time to do anything. First time the Lions have been shut out in 11 years. Um, and it's against a team that had only forced two punts in the previous three weeks ooh, um so not a great defense <laughs> and uh this i mean it's a big statement to make but this might be the worst lions game i've ever seen hmm. um at least the worst lions game that stafford started there were some worse ones maybe last year but with backup quarterbacks but the worst game i've seen stafford start you know it's kind of funny you said the their last like the last time they were shut out was 11 years ago mm-hmm 12 years ago was 0 16. So. It was Stafford's first year, was the last time we were shut out. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Because we drafted him first overall after the 0 16. Crazy. Um, yeah. So yeah. this has to be, Patricia has to be fired. Like, I don't care what happens against Houston. At this point, I'm going to root for the Lions because it's Thanksgiving. It's a tradition or whatever. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, like, Part of me wants to lose this game because that has to be it for Patricia if you lose this game. Like coming you get shut off you get shut out. The Texans I've, aren't any good. So. No. Um I've talked so much about how the defense for the Lions doesn't adjust. Well, in this game the offense didn't adjust. You saw the cons- the same blitz packages. Um It's like the Bears Vikings game. Yeah, the the Panthers dropped uh, the Panthers rushed three and just dropped everybody else in coverage. And our offensive was, line was so bad, they were still getting pressure. Stafford had nowhere to throw. Then they started mixing in some crazy blitz packages, continued to get pressure. Lions never adjusted. And part of that's because you're missing a lot of your weapons. But the game plan on offense was terrible. Um, it, it's like Daryl Bevel, the offensive coordinator, just decides what he's going to do and does that the entire year. And sometimes it works because the team you're playing allows it to work, and then other times it doesn't, and he has no way to adjust when it's not working. It's just like, oh, well, our plan isn't working. Guess we're going to lose. It. Um, so, yeah, all coordinators should be fired. Matt Patricia should be fired. The GM should be fired. And as you said at the top of the show, ultimately this comes down to ownership, but what can you really do about that? Yeah. Um, so, really, one of the worst Lions games ever that I can remember um, – and that's all I have to say. That's talking about yeah. rock bottom. Um, yeah, we'll, well talk about some other sports me, here soon, which will be nice because both yeah. football teams are historically bad right now. Let me just say as kind of uh, one last thing about the Lions, and I'll mention something about the NFC North in general. Um, mm-hmm. It actually, like, if you want an opportunity to put a charge in your team, firing Patricia after this Texans game, would do it because your next game is a division game against the Bears. You barely lost to the Bears in game one of the season. And if you fire the coaching staff, that could give the players all, you know, Harbaugh talked about juice. It could give the Lions all the juice they need um, to win at Soldier Field. But It's just um, interesting because, like, 
all of our coordinators are so bad. I don't even know who you'd make the interim coach. Like, there's been serious yeah. talk with fans about having our special teams coach be the interim head coach. Do it. Like, it, it, how bad is that? Like, with the Bears, if Nagy's fired, it's P- Chuck Pagano. Pagano is a very good coordinator, and he's going to get head coach offers. I think this coming season. It's like, if you were to fire him, you have a very competent interim. And, and the he's Lions, head coached before. Right. The Lions are so bad that the coordinators almost should be fired before Patricia even is. And it's like, yeah, yeah it you got to tear the whole thing down and start over, honestly. Um, okay, so last thing. Vikings lost. Packers lost. Uh, always feels good to see the Packers lose. Mm-hmm. Um, as a Bears fan, on your bye week, it was nice to see all three NFC North teams lose. Yep. There was a very real possibility that the Bears are going to enter this week tied for the Lions for last place, and now you're tied. You're you're not tied with anybody. You're alone in second place in the division, and you come down to a huge game against the Packers this week. If you mm-hmm. win, you are you have your playoff destiny in your own control because if you win, you are one game behind the Packers with one game left to play them, mm-hmm. um, and you also have. The, your remaining games other than the Packers games are Lions, Texans, Jaguars, and Vikings. You all should win at least three winnable of those games. four. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a competent team. Um <laughs> right. If you beat the Packers, so, I'm gonna assume then you should win three of those four. So all of those teams losing greatly helped the Bears um for their chances to make the playoffs as a Bears fan. I <laughs> I don't I really don't want them to make the playoffs. <laughs> because whatever playoff game they do play in, they're going to get blown, like either blown out or they're going to score like 12 points and that's going to be it. And the other team will score at like at least 24. Like it's, it, it won't be pretty. And I'd rather yeah. spare myself the embarrassment, I guess. <laughs> and it just kind of prolongs the mediocrity. Like, yeah, it does. Uh, same thing with the Pistons, which we're going to get to NBA stuff. But well, yeah, let's transition. Yeah, like same thing with the Pistons because for years they would try to make the playoffs. The the ceiling for the team was getting the eight seed and then just getting swept and blown out. We got swept three straight playoff appearances. Like there's no point to make the playoffs in a situation like that, which relates back to the Bears. Like not that yeah, they couldn't turn things around, but as is. Yeah, barely squeaking into the playoffs and then losing badly the first game. That's not a goal. Like, Yeah, so you brought up the Pistons. The Pistons, wh- what, they last won a playoff game in like 2007, 2008? Yeah, it was, so we won the championship 2004 and then we made the playoffs like a few of the next years. I think it was like 2007 was our last time. We won a, not a series, a playoff game. Right. We've made the playoffs like four times since then and been swept in every appearance. Uh, like definition of mediocrity. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the NBA because the Pistons have been totally overturned. Um, the Bulls, <laughs> yeah. less so. Um, so since you were able to go on for a while about Michigan and the Lions and the Bears had a bye week, I'm going to start and talk yep. about the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the Bulls are the fourth overall pick. They selected Patrick Williams. Uh, from Florida State. He's a freshman, youngest player in the draft. Um, he was not a starter. He was the, uh, I guess, Florida State's ACC, so he's the ACC sixth man of the season. He might have been uh, the national sixth man, I think. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe not. In, I'd it, have to look in any case, to be honest, when he was drafted, 
it drew concerns in my mind. It was conflicting. I had like concerns immediately when I heard he wasn't a starter and that he was a sixth man. But I also mm-hmm. it was conflicting because I also have so much trust in this new front office just because I guess they're new and they seem to know what they're doing coming from the Nuggets who have been a real you know a surprisingly really good team. Mm-hmm. Um so I didn't really have a reaction at all cuz I was there's a half of me that was like this seems like a dumb move and the other half of me that was like I trust these guys so I didn't really know how I felt about it. Yeah. Um so it took me a lot of time to kind of ruminate on this pick doing a little bit of research, watching some highlights. Um so basically here's what it comes down to. Patrick Williams is a defensive freak. Um he's a very he's a very versatile player is what it comes down to. Uh it's been described to me that he can play anywhere from 1 to 4 on offense. Mm-hmm. So point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward. And he can play all five positions defensively, mm-hmm. and so that that is a very good, you know, helpful characteristic, especially in today's NBA where it is more of a positionless league. You right. don't want to get a player who is like strictly pure one position, or, or maybe yeah. center is the one, but like, yeah, he is a pure uh, power forward, small forward. Yeah, right. Yeah. You want somebody who can be versatile, and so you get that with this guy, mm-hmm. and that part's awesome. Another thing is that there was some evi- there's been some evidence based on some statistics I was seeing. I don't remember the specifics, but basically from where he started the year to where he ended the year, which remember was cut short due to the pandemic mm-hmm. and there was no tournament, he was showing significant offensive improvement throughout the year. And remember this is a freshman. Yep. Um on a very good Florida State team. Um so there was that. Uh the other thing that really cemented it to me you know whenever there's a draft that comes around is you're always looking for player comps um and the bet the best comp that people were saying and this would obviously be the ideal scenario right was Kawhi Leonard Mm -hmm. and I know that might sound like a stretch Bulls fans but the reason that Kawhi Leonard was brought up was because when Kawhi Leonard was drafted he also was a defensive specialist, more or less. And that's what Pat Williams has been described as. Oh, this kid's really good at defense. His offensive game needs a lot of work. Kawhi Leonard, his first few years in the league, he's scoring 10, 11, 12 points a game, mm-hmm. but he's playing lockdown defense. Pat, uh, Pat Patrick Williams comes in scoring about 10 points a game, playing really good defense. Mm-hmm. And so if you're able to develop him to turn into – Kawhi Leonard then I'm absolutely signing up for that um other reasons I'm excited about the pick now here in hindsight aside from the evidence I've already provided Billy Donovan himself this was the player he wanted and when you have a new coach a new coach you trust a new coach the players like um who has success developing young players in the past as well you give him the keys and you kind of you know at least take his input seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and Karnashova said it's who he liked. Um, yeah, so for me, that was a big piece. And I think the thing that sold me the most is actually not because of what the Bulls did, but because of what other teams were have said to be doing. Right. 
One is that the Spurs, who were, I think, 11th overall, they had been very high on Patrick Williams, hoping that he was going to fall further down in the draft where they could maybe trade up. That would have been like reasonable for them because obviously trading from 11 to 4 or 3 would have been a, a bigger jump. Right. Um, and obviously that didn't happen. But whenever the Spurs, that are a very well-run organization, mm-hmm. Popovich obviously knows what he's looking for. I like to be named in the same conversation as the Spurs. And then the other one that's a big indicator of how valuable this kid actually is, everyone had Edwards, Wiseman, and Ball going one through three. Mm -hmm. There's a rumor that the Pistons were trying to trade up with Charlotte to number three to get Patrick Williams so that the Bulls couldn't. Right. And one, as a Bulls fan, if there's anything we can do to reignite the Pistons-Bulls rivalry, (laughs) that'd be a fun piece of it. Yep. Um, but to know that another team wanted your player that badly, mm-hmm. that they were going to pass up on Ball, who was most like, you know, a lot of people said, oh, he's the best talent in the draft or whatever. Right. They were dr- passing up on that, giving up assets to get Patrick Williams. That gives me a really good feeling as a Bulls fan that you got somebody that everybody in that league values. Yep, um, for sure. So... That's the deal there. Um, <clears throat> second round, the Bulls drafted 34-year-old Marco Simonovic. <laughs> that was, yeah, funny story. Uh, we, were, we were recording something during the during the NBA draft, and we all stopped and were like, what? Born so, in 86 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, no, he's actually – there's two Marco Simonoviches that play in Serbia or wherever – um, the Bulls got the the like twenty one year old one, which is <laughs> better. We and reached out to the thirty four year old one and never heard I haven't back. Haven't heard right? anything. Yeah, probably it's... didn't understand what I was saying. <laughs> um, but this kid, apparently, so apparently he's one of those versatile centers. I've been hearing, like again, when you're going up player comps, I've been hearing basically Porzingis is the name that you're, mm-hmm. you know, hoping he can turn into. Um, so. We'll see. He's very scrawny, apparently, but he scores a decent amount of points for center, so we'll see what that looks like. Mm-hmm. But he, there's no plan for him to really be on the roster for probably a couple of years still. Which is kind of uh, what you expect with a second or third or whatever round yeah. picks. You know? yeah. The last thing was the Bulls picked up what was rated by everybody as the top undrafted mm-hmm. free agent, and that was Devin Dotson, who... Uh, played for Kansas and is actually from Chicago, grew up idolizing Derrick Rose. So that's one of those stories you like as a Bulls fan, of course. He, sh- he should have been drafted. He's a good player. Yeah. Um. So the Bulls ended up with him. He's going to start the year uh, with the G League, uh, mm-hmm. with the Windy City Bulls. Um, but I think it sounds like people are kind of expecting him to be up with the team at some point, especially because he is a point guard, and the point guard the Bulls have – Tomas Sanaransky, uh, I forget the name of the guy they just signed, for a free agent. It wasn't a big name. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, then you'd have Kobe White, who would be going off of his normal shooting guard position to play point, which I think yep. he can do. But if you're looking for a pure point guard, I think Devin Dotson might find some time, uh, especially with yep. COVID being a concern. I think you might see him play for the Bulls this year. I think he gets brought up and gets rotated in at some point. Yeah, yeah. it'll be good. So, yeah, definitely. So, like, if you're 
mostly with the Patrick Williams pick because I that's the one I know the most about. But really with all these picks, like if you trust, like you said, if you trust your head coach, you trust your GM. And the big thing with Donovan was not necessarily that his strengths are in game coaching, but it's player development, right? Yeah. Identifying talent and developing players. If you trust that, which you should, because that's why you chose him. You hired him, yeah. Then you you like a pick of a guy who, yeah, he does have a low floor. Like he could be a bust, but he has a high ceiling. And a Some lot of people have said he has the highest ceiling in the draft. Yeah, very high ceiling, low floor, and a lot of that's going to depend on development. Not. Not to say that if he fails or isn't great that it's the coach's fault. I'm just saying, like, that's the kind of player you like to see, a high-potential player um, yeah. at four. So I don't think so there's anything wrong with the pick. The, the last thing I want to say, and this will transition really nicely into you, mm-hmm. what I heard also as another rumor was that the Bulls had Patrick Williams number one on their board. Number two, they had Killian Hayes. Mm-hmm. And that's who the Pistons ended up with with their seventh overall pick. Yeah, very happy with this pick. Um, I'm kind of surprised he fell to seven. Um, not that it's a huge fall. He was kind of projected around there. I just thought he would go a couple spots earlier maybe. Well, um, what was more shocking was that he went before Avdia and Toppin. Which I'm surprised. Uh, Toppin, I'm, when it came down to, to Toppin and Hayes, I'm glad we went with Hayes. Like I'm not surprised that Toppin went after. But yeah, I thought Avdia was going to go like top four or five. So yeah, um, he went what nine or nine, something? Yeah, nine cr- to the Wizards. Pretty big drop there. But um, I mean, you never know what what coaches and GMs are seeing. So um, I'm happy with the pick. Another guy who, again, new coach or not new coach, but new GM for the Pistons. Like, if you trust his ability to identify talent and um, to be able to develop players. And I do think Dwayne Casey's a good coach to develop players. Um, you kind of, it's been trendy recently to find somebody with a lot of overseas experience, but finding a guy who has experience playing in France. Yeah. That league's not very good. Um, but being able to identify talent f- from overseas. Um, yeah. I mean, it's exciting and I like the pick. And then, I mean, Pistons trading up to get another first round pick trading a lot during the draft Um, overhauling the roster there are four players left on the team that were on last year's roster and that's d rose and griffin right d rose and griffin and then two other guys uh hobby or not hobby balloons (laughs) um (laughs) hockey i can't remember their names but like two other guys who barely played and then yeah griffin and rose who i imagine only didn't move because of their contracts and i'm assuming they'll probably both be uh They'll try to move both again at the trade deadline this coming year yeah. if they're healthy. So, um, but props to Troy Weaver, man. Like maybe this doesn't pan out. Um, basically, at one point, it seemed like half the league had been signed by the Pistons at one, like, and then immediately moved. Like doing a bunch of sign and trades. He's doing a bunch of like whatever where you wave like sign and then you wave for the like doing tons of stuff to play around with the cap and the dead money like he's doing what you do when you come in you take a look around and say this team is trash which they were like mediocre there were some pistons fans freaking out because he's trading like um he's trading guys who shared minutes last year and were just mediocre like Oh, well, he still could have played a good role. That is the definition of mediocrity. Like, if you're the Bulls and you actually have a solid core, that's where you come in. You don't 
overhaul the whole thing because you want to see what you've got. Like maybe some of these guys yep. were mismanaged. Maybe some of them were put in positions Poorly where they couldn't coach. really thrive. They had bad coaching before. Let's see what we've got. Like come in, make a couple changes, but let's keep the core and see who I can use. If Troy Weaver comes in, he knows the Pistons' core is garbage. Well, so. let me let me just interject here to say that really is the difference between the Pistons and the Bulls mm-hmm. this offseason. Yep. But Troy Weaver just accelerated the Pistons' rebuild yep. by dumping everybody and starting with this new core. You had, what, three first-round draft picks in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and look... The NBA draft, people make a big deal how, oh, if you want a superstar, you have to have picks one through three. Well, there's a lot of drafts from the past 10 years that have shown you that you don't need one through three to get a superstar. I mentioned Kawhi Leonard earlier. He was 13th overall Mm -hmm. in that draft. Like, you don't – so basically what I'm saying, Hayes, uh, of the three first-round draft picks, Hayes could be end up being the worst of those three. Like, Mm – you, you don't know what to expect. Right. Um, but Weaver, not only, like, yeah, like, when the offseason started, I would say the Bulls were probably, like, two years ahead of the Pistons in terms of a rebuild. Now, the Bulls are maybe one year ahead of the Pistons in terms of a rebuild. Mm-hmm. And, that, and the only reason the Bulls have one year is just because you do have mostly a good core a talented core at least and mm. you are hoping the coach makes all the difference yep um so the pistons have the coach they want and they just loaded up on a bunch of players they're hoping is what they want and then hopefully with one more off season one more draft they can get what the pieces they need to be where the bulls are right now yep no that's it's that's definitely a plan and um <laughs> i actually just went i googled Pistons roster because I was looking for a specific name and it's still all the old players so yeah <laughs> none of these guys are left um but yeah it's uh and what's interesting too is like like you said you can build a solid team without having a top three pick but actually it looks like the plan is to not tank but move enough pieces that next year there's a good chance we could be picking in the top five again which is yep. fine with me like that's what a good rebuild looks like you completely overhauled you accelerated the timeline, like you said. Now we might only be one more draft away from contending, as, and as opposed I'm, to like a six-year rebuild. Everything I'm hearing, the 2021 and 2022 drafts are yep. both supposed to be much deeper than what this 2020 draft was. So if we pick top five in this draft, maybe top ten in the next one, and maybe that's the year we're looking at possibly like a an eight seed where we playoff might run. actually have a chance. The year after that, maybe we're a middle-of-the-road playoff team like – this is what a rebuild looks like and it sucks that we're still talking several years but it's a lot better than what it would have been if he hadn't done this yep if he comes in and wastes a year with the current roster and says well let's wait and see then you end up having to do what you just did anyway and it's just like like you said he accelerated the timeline and i don't know that all his specific players are going to work out but i know that his plan makes sense and he actually has a plan which is refreshing for detroit gms um so, well, thankfully right now this it looks like there's some some of the bad Detroit teams might be on the way up finally, but um yeah, the Pistons really happy with what they did. Um so I won't get too much into the specific names or anything anymore, but it's going to be cool. The starting five next year is going to have four players on it who weren't even on the team last year. So, yep, it's going to be, gonna awesome. be re- reason to watch and um reason to be excited. 
Well, uh, you just heard us got get very positive, and on this very special Thanksgiving-themed episode, we've decided to create a special segment just for this episode. Um, props to my wife for the idea. Mm-hmm. I know you're probably not listening, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this segment is called Giving Thanks. Uh, so basically, we're going to just start talking about things that we're thankful for, and I think you guys will pick up where we're going, like the style we're going for here pretty quickly. So, man of Michigan hat, what is something you're thankful for? This year, uh, I am just, I'm so thankful that the Lions will once again be nationally televised on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, it's exciting. In a year that, uh, with 2020, travel restrictions, COVID, like all this stuff going on, you might not be able to get together as a whole family, which is tough, but at least we can turn on our TV and spend the holiday with Matt Patricia. I'm also thankful that former Lions owner William Clay Ford mercifully died in 2014, so he didn't have to watch his wife and then his daughter continue to drive this pitiful franchise into the ground. Sweet, peaceful death. A place where you don't even know Matt Patricia coaches the Lions. I'm thankful this year that old man Ford never had to see how pathetic his family would be at their jobs. Hmm. The holidays with Matt Patricia. Mm. It's a beautiful time of year. Yeah. Well, this year, regarding my NFL team, I'm thankful that the Bears will also be broadcast nationally on Sunday Night Football Mm. with with a date against the hated Packers. What better could I do with my Sunday evening than watch Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and a bunch of scrubs in uniforms the color of strep throat slap the bears around with slices of cheddar then roll them over with wheels of colby jack and poke holes in the bears offense like a block of swiss Mm, sounds relaxing yes and cheesy (laughs) nice melty (laughs) strep throaty Mm. (laughs) is that an adjective or uh about their uniforms looks strep throaty (laughs) quick quick side note on that that's from personal experience um Mm. <laughs> when I had in high school, I had strep throat, Oof. and I remember <clears throat> this is nasty. I, mean, I I I know it's just like other people get it, but I remember thinking it was so gross. Yeah, you know when you're going through like a really bad cold, when like your snot is like legitimately green, like neon green. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I had with my strep throat, it was so bad. I had green, like mucus green snot building up from my throat and on the roof of my mouth Oof. and so there's one point i remember i had an itch and i like reached my fingers back and like itched the top of my mouth just scooped out and i came out and i had fingernails full of green mm. snot and the colors of the green bay packers yeah. that's right <laughs> yeah it's a beautiful metaphor for uh, our <laughs> our great rival <laughs> yes yeah, well, trans- <laughs> transitioning to baseball, America's game. I am mm. so thankful this year in 2020 that Tony Larusa is a geriatric alcoholic piece of crap because it took attention away from the Tigers' new scumbag cheating manager. I'll drink to that. Thank Cheers. you, Tony Larusa. I'm in the Hall of Fame. You can't arrest me. I'm in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Don't you know who I am? <laughs> classic um this year for my baseball team 
this lovely year of 2020, I am so just so thankful for the Cubs offense. Mm. Nothing says a plentiful, overflowing cornucopia of blessings like the Cubs' big bats, Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Schwarber, and Contreras, producing zero RBIs on two hits over two playoff games against the Miami Marlins. Good memories. Great work, fellas. Your historic offensive performance and the gay COVID virus forced the... <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know why I typed that. Forced Theo Epstein Thank to cut goodness. his losses and resign. It's time to rebuild in Chicago. Moving on to NHL, because mm. um, I'm already ice cold about my team. Uh, this year, I'm thankful that the Blackhawks made the playoffs as the 12th seed. With an inept coach and an inept general manager who now thinks that they will be able to do completely rebuild, quote unquote, which is a load of crap. Competitively oh, rebuild. Competitively rebuild. Thank mm, you. Which that makes sense. Right. <laughs> uh, and he extended Jeremy Colleton, who, I'm sorry, did did any of you who watched the Blackhawks playoff games see Taves and Kane's reaction with Coach Colleton? After they were eliminated from the playoffs by the Vegas Golden Knights. Did you see that reaction? I didn't, no. Just a quick side note. There's a there's a shot at the like they're all leaving the ice after the handshake line. <clears throat> and this was the this was like only the second game in the in the playoffs where both Taves and Kane scored and the Blackhawks did not win. Mm-hmm. Taves and Kane are the last ones off the ice. Colleton's waiting there on the bench for them. And Taves and... K- or, no, Colleton is also coming off the ice from, like, talking to his players or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Taves and Kane just, like, step back and let Colleton leave. And they, like, share a moment, just the two of them together. Like, looking very clearly like, I can't believe we're being coached by this imbecile. Mm. It was, like, a very... Yeah. So... If Jeremy Colleton is a good coach, then I'm a Red Wings fan. Well, let me just say as a Lions fan, it's always a really good sign when your players hate their coach. It always works out well. Oh, well, I'm thankful for that then. Mm, Very thankful. Thank you. (laughs) As a Red Wings fan, I'm thankful this year that the Red Wings are so bad that they're actually forgotten entirely in the city of Detroit. At least they hockey have enough. <laughs> yeah, hockey town <laughs> has forgotten that we have a hockey team. And at least the Red Wings have enough decency and self-respect to stay out of the headlines so I can just pretend they don't exist until the rebuild's over. Thank you, Red Wings. That's sweet. Well, this year, I'm very thankful for the coronavirus. Oh, Hmm. I'm thankful for the coronavirus for causing college football to be restructured entirely. Hmm. Why? Because Notre Dame now not only participates in a conference, which is apparently what everyone wanted, but they have hands down dominated it, and they are alone in first place, second overall in the country. Thank you, Mr. Sunshine. I mean, COVID. Thanks, COVID. Well, continuing the college football gratitude this year, I am thankful that Don Brown is being exposed early. And we don't have to wait until the Ohio State game to call for his job. Maybe with a whole season of consistent garbage, we can finally get this delusional dinosaur out of the program. 
I'm also thankful that Harbaugh is still so confident in the team and that Harbaugh is having such a good time. It definitely helps me sleep better at night to know that old Jimmy is still smiling under that boner tent he calls a face mask. Thank you, Jimmy. Okay, quick side note on that. I I thought I saw in the Rutgers game that he was wearing a mask and then he had the headset contraption that still had a mask on it. Yep. He's got like four masks on his face at any given time. (laughs) Because he's got like that neck sleeve thing that slides up too. Safety first. Yeah. (laughs) Always practice safe masking. Just not job safety first, apparently. No, apparently not. (sighs) Well, lastly, for my NBA team, you heard a lot of it earlier, uh, listeners, but this year I'm thankful that Gar Foreman joined the millions of Americans unemployed during this awful pandemic. Mm. This allowed my hero and nominee for most fun name to say of the year, Arturis Karnaschovas, to Mm. step in to take over the Bulls basketball operations. That is fun. Thank you, Arturis, for drafting someone who was a freshman that never started that nobody knows about. That's some next-level intellect right there. (laughs) Yeah, so closing with the Pistons, I am thankful that the Pistons roster was so bad that the moment Ter- Troy Weaver walked in the room, he had to dump everybody within 72 hours. For real, though. Thank you, Troy Weaver. Yeah. And lastly, a collected thank you from the two of us. Thank you to our listeners mm-hmm. for, you know, I don't know how many of you there are that were with us when we launched in April 2020. Recording but, on our cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was bad our first two episodes i would just skip if i were you um but i'll have to go back and listen to one of them yeah like i liked our content still but yeah yeah (laughs) so it's been seven months of frustration nation which is kind of crazy to say we're in we're coming up on 70 episodes here it's been a lot of fun so thank you all to you for tuning in for hopefully hopefully you've found it both interesting informative but also just funny like we tr- we try to just have a good time. This is how we normally talk with each other um, when we're talking sports. So I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, and I also just want to say thank you to Richie for bringing <laughs> us on to join the Shoot Your Shot Sports Crew. Uh, that's been a blast for us as well. So for sure, yeah, it's been a yeah. good year. Thanks to all our sponsors. Um, yeah, it, it and obviously thanks to you listeners, especially yeah those who have reached out to us. Uh, to the show and given feedback on our social media or wherever uh, we appreciate hearing from you. And yeah, we really do appreciate you listening consistently. Thank you to our wives for letting us go and do this late at night. Yeah. Right. <laughs> avoid husband and fatherly Currently, responsibilities. Yeah. Recording at midnight central time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right now. Yeah. Um, so with that, we have some Thanksgiving-themed hypotheticals for you, mm-hmm. and we'll close out the show with our silver linings. So, Perfect. Um, all right, hypotheticals. Uh, why don't you hit me with that first one? All right, listeners. So say hypothetically, we were to have a segment about hypotheticals. In this hypothetical, hypothetical segment, we will hypothetically ask each other hypothetical questions. This could hypothetically range from any sports topic or Thanksgiving topic specifically this week, and will hypothetically include would-you-rathers amongst other hypothetical questions. Again, this is strictly hypothetical. All right, Kyle, I will hypothetically ask you now a hypothetical question, and that is, 
for Thanksgiving, turkey or ham? Well, <clears throat> just some insight mm-hmm. into my family. Um, the first time I ever had ham on Thanksgiving was when I married into the family. Oh, wow. Yeah, my, my in-laws. My my family, every Thanksgiving in my life, turkey. Hmm. Turkey, 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 turkey. Hey, turkey, take a You know that song? The Taki Taki song? <laughs> no, I don't. It's oh, a commercial or what? No, there's a song called Taki Taki. Okay. You should listen to it. Taki Taki. It sounds like Not what I just said. <laughs> All right, I'll listen. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, so, for me, I just have always associated ham with Christmas and Easter. So, I will never be able to select ham over turkey for Thanksgiving. Mm. There's actually been years now here at the, my in-laws where I have intentionally chosen not to have ham just because I know I'm going to have it for Christmas mm-hmm. and I specifically want turkey. I got you. I respect so, that if it's something yeah. like if that's what you grow up with. And then also if your family already associates ham with Christmas and that's like a yeah. unique to Christmas thing, then yeah, that's understandable. It's kind of like it's almost nostalgic in a way. Yeah, no, I get that. Both are good. I like ham better um, like during the actual meal. But mm-hmm. let me say turkey leftovers as far as like making a sandwich with the leftovers, which is obviously the best thing to do with it. Um, yeah turkey leftover sandwich stacks up really well to a ham leftover sandwich yeah especially if you can put a little bit of gravy on the sandwich um game changer the other thing i'll say is i prefer ham but i've had smoked turkey a couple of thanksgivings and that gets pretty close um yeah throwing it in a smoker with some wood chips like you can do a turkey that gets pretty close to a good ham but uh i'll still go with ham overall I mean, if if you take it out of the context of Thanksgiving, probably I'm gonna rank ham over turkey. Yep. Um, even when it comes down to like lunch meat. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like Thanksgiving specifically, it's all for me because of how I grew up. It it almost feels sacrilegious mm. to go ham over turkey. Be like getting Mexican food on Thanksgiving or something like just <laughs> it's a whole separate right. thing. Yeah. So light or dark meat? It's like the second question now, tied to that. Um, or do you not re- really care that? Much? I really don't care. Like, I, I honestly, I honestly couldn't tell you because gotcha. I just like to grab it and eat it. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> I bet you. Do. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I yeah, okay. I don't really have a preference. I I don't see color when it mm, comes to turkey. Good answer. Yeah. Yeah, 2020. Well, I prefer dark meat. <laughs> Bet you do. <laughs> All right, what's our next question? Oh, you don't want to elaborate on that? Nope. <laughs> Actually, here, let me let me ask this next question to you because, uh, yeah, this relates to my team. So, would you rather watch the Lions on Thanksgiving Day, watch Matt Patricia, invite him into your home, uh, have to make this part of your family tradition. So this is specifically or, this year's Lions game or just yes, the Lions every Thanksgiving? I mean, this could apply any year, but specifically this year because I think okay. it makes the decision harder. Um, okay. Would you rather watch the 2020 Lions on Thanksgiving or have a foreign people show up at your home in boats 
lie and steal from you, spread disease, and force you to leave your home and live on a reservation. Happy is Thanksgiving. This li- is this like a dinner reservation? No, no. just a, oh. It's like a special little home you are forced <laughs> to live in, but it's totally cool, so you'll like it. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and this is strictly is it, hypothetical. Yeah, obviously it, not based <laughs> on any real historical is it ba- information. Is it by any casinos? It could be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some river boats, yeah. Yeah. A lot of good leather out that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Tough decision. Hmm. Well, as much as much as I do like living in Hyde, <laughs> I think I would still prefer to watch the Lions mm. on Thanksgiving. Um, yep. Just because as a Bears fan... It's never as painful, especially since they are technically a division rival where like mm. the Lions losing is like in a way kind of just it's what makes Thanksgiving Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let me tell you, it is a lot worse when you're a fan of the team. <laughs> I um, bet. Yeah. I, I No, dude, like seriously, the past two years, the Bears played the Lions on Thanksgiving. Yeah. And both years, I remember thinking like, man... If the Bears lose, they're going to screw up my holiday. Like, mm-hmm. all I want is to enjoy sitting down, enjoy being with my family, eating yep. all this food. I would, I'm would. i looking forward to the Cowboys game, to the Thursday night game. I just, mm-hmm. this game, if the Bears lose it, I'm going to be frustrated the rest of this day. Yep, because it's nice to be able to sit back and just relax and watch some games that are going to be good games, but ones you're not emotionally invested in. Yeah. Um, the last thing you want to be is emotional and nervous during a family holiday. Um, but that's the life as a Lions fan. So this is a tough answer as someone who's a Lions fan and watches them every Thanksgiving and someone who used to live on an Indian reservation. Let me just say neither one is a great choice. <laughs> um, I will go with the second one. I think I'm going to try to take this Thanksgiving off from the Lions. And uh, yeah, I'll try my luck <laughs> okay. with the other option. Spreading disease. <laughs> People showing up at my home, pushing me off my land, lying and stealing, spreading disease. Uh, yeah, that doesn't. That sounds like a nice change of pace. So Call, Calling you Indians, even though you're from... Yeah. Like, <laughs> Incorrectly yeah. labeling me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was more Columbus, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, Good speaking times. of like, hi- historical things, even though that had nothing to do with history. Um, <laughs> of course. It was hy- strictly had- hypothetical. If you had to, if you were facing persecution mm. for being a fan of one of your teams, and if you had to make a pilgrimage away um, from one of your sports teams, which team would it be, and what is it like? How are were you being persecuted? I'm gonna have to stick with the Lions, um, and it's been because they're the team. Life. Yeah, like mm-hmm. they're the team I continue to stay extremely emotionally invested in a team that's very difficult to not care about a team that even when they're bad, I've stuck with them and stayed at least somewhat invested. And it's very difficult for me to like, just tune them out. Like it is for um, some of the, my other teams that are rebuilding like Red Wings, Pistons, Tigers. Like I'm just more emotionally invested. And so I feel like to be able to get away from the lions, it would take a drastic pilgrimage, like leaving the country, um, leaving all my communication and family behind and just starting over like, 
but it's the it's the one that I feel like would be the best for me. Like if I could somehow find a way to get away from the lions, I feel like it would do wonders for my uh, mental health, uh, my lifespan, my stress level. Um, so yeah, I mean it's a dream, and that's all it'll ever be. But it's a nice dream to think about one day uh, being able to watch the lions on Thanksgiving and laugh, not feel the pain, uh, be a fan of a team that accomplishes something. Uh, it's a nice thought. Yeah. You know, for me with this question, like right now, it's easier for me to say the Bears because they've been bad. They have a bleak future. I'm not feeling very good about where they're going to be even two years from now. Mm -hmm. Um, Quick side note, it's kind of really stupid that we even have a Fanatics link because who all is going to buy Lions and Bears gear right now? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. With that being said, shop at Fanatics. (laughs) (laughs) But use our link. Totally worth it. (laughs) Shotsports.com forward slash frustration nation. So it's easy to pick the Bears currently. Yeah. But the team I think that I'm going to pick here is the Cubs. And the the reason here is because I talked about in my giving thanks portion how they are and that's actually a news topic we didn't even cover, that Theo Epstein stepped down. It's mm-hmm. a big topic, really. And Jed Hoyer is now the vice president, or he's now the president of baseball operations for the Cubs. Yep. Um, but it, many sources, and Jed kind of himself have even said, like, we're blowing the team up. Mm-hmm. Um, he said today, he said, the offense will look different this this year, which a lot of Cubs fans are probably like, good our offense sucks but it's like no he means he's rebuilding the team <laughs> right um which so long cubs, term could be good but next year it could be rough the cubs are going to be going into a rebuild while yeah. the white Sox are like even though i know tony la Russa was probably an ill-advised hire just based on talent alone on the white Sox, they're like almost immediately a world series contender mm-hmm. um and now living in the same city and I don't really have anything wrong with the White Sox team, but White Sox fans can get very mm-hmm. annoying and like, you know, oh, you know, why does everybody like the Cubs in Chicago? Like the the Sox are good too. Don't forget about it's very much like second child problems. Mm, yeah, middle, middle child middle child disorder. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like it's like the opposite of what we talked about earlier with Packers and uh yep. buckeyes it's like the yep. persecution complex yeah you know yeah. don't forget about me we're a so real anyway, team too yeah. <laughs> yeah so i'm gonna have to deal with that i feel like for this year for the next couple of years mm-hmm. i'm gonna have to deal with people who were cubs fans who are clearly fakers that are going to be switching mm-hmm. sides mm-hmm. um so that's the kind of persecution i'll be facing yeah. uh so between bad baseball and a crosstown team um that's going to be good uh, that's why I will be taking a pilgrimage from the Cubs. Mm-hmm. That being said, I'll be very excited when spring break, when spring training comes around. <laughs> yeah, because as much as it sounds nice, sometimes there's no escaping. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I want to know how far could you throw a 15 pound frozen turkey over those mountains? Um, over them mountains, <laughs> we've been hmm. state champions. <laughs> With a running start, Got I could chapstick. My lips, My lips hurt, hurt real, real bad. bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's flashback to our when we used to do the sound effects. The effing idiot, idiot. idiot. <laughs> um, oh man, 
I'm thinking like, how would I do this? Would I get a running start? Would I like shot putt, like spin in circles and try to launch at the right angle? Like the hammer throw, like what's my technique? I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna have to throw with two hands. You can't sure. overhand throw it like a football. Yeah, fifteen pound. Um, I'm probably doing like a half spin, like starting with it behind me and then like running up and then twisting as I throw it. I think I could get fifteen pound. I think I could push thirty feet. So here, here's my question. And this might be a wrinkle in the question, but mm-hmm. when you say throw, does that mean it has to like in terms of distance on the air? Yep. Because, okay, like in shot putt or whatever, like where it first hits, like you can't roll well because or whatever. My the sport I would contest that with is bowling, right? Because I feel like I could. I don't know rolling a fifteen pound turkey because it's not a perfect circle though could be difficult. Would you um, go for the, say you could, would you go for the straight roll or would you try to like throw it so that it does roll after it hits? The second one, like I wouldn't roll it to begin with. Okay, I would I gotcha. throw it not as far as I can, but throw it as far, like far enough mm-hmm. that it sets up for the roll. I guess I would I do gotcha. that thing where you kind of like judge the ground and be like, all right, this is where it'll like get the little extra try to get a little spin on it spin. top yeah. spin yeah yeah um <laughs> gotcha so, so if i had a choice i would probably go with more of the the th- bowling throw roll mm. but if, since that's not in the cards um mm. i think the only way to get distance on it and again there's also a difference here between distance or height too yep um yeah this is pure distance so i would take my hands and I would make a trebuchet. Mm. And that... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Bend yourself in half backwards? No, I, I would build a trebuchet with my hands. Oh, I get you. Put the turkey on the trebuchet. I thought you meant make yourself the trebuchet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll build a cannon. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I I mean, the way you described it was like kind of like doing a half twist or spinning around, mm-hmm. like shot put kind of. That's like the only thing I could think of that really is going to go anywhere. Yeah. Um. The other thing I just thought of is, remember, this is a frozen turkey, not a fresh one. So that means that the structural integrity is probably better. So you could grab it by the drumsticks, if you know yeah. what I mean. <laughs> and uh, I not have to worry about it snapping like mid-swing, you know. I also it think should hold together. if you got a running start, one yeah. interesting option, I don't think it would be as successful as doing more of a shot put. But if you did a Joe Kimnoa free throw Ooh, interesting where you do like a push off from your almost chest. like a soccer pass in like from out of bounds when they like a oh, throw like in overhead like overhead throw in from soccer yeah the that problem with overhead on that is you need to have you need to release at the right point yeah because if you release too late it's just going to go straight into the ground mm-hmm. but if you release as your arms are going up you should get height and distance on it mm-hmm. yeah interesting so how many feet you could throw a number out there. I think I could hit 30. Yeah. I mean, 15 pounds is heavy. Like, you're it talking is. about throwing a medicine ball. Yeah. And, like, people don't throw medicine balls that, <laughs> that far. Yeah, usually when you do a medicine ball throw, it's, like, right up against a wall or something. Yeah. They don't go very far. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, not 50. 30 might be possible, but 50 is probably pushing it. I, I think don't know. 30 is... have to yeah. try it out. That's right. <laughs> All right, last question. If you broke a wishbone, or I guess if the two of us broke a wishbone, mm. and 
Like Joe uh, Burrow. Yes. <laughs> Broken wishbone. Um, So let's start with you. Let's say you got the bigger side of the wishbone mm-hmm. and you got to make one sports-related wish. What would you ask for? If it can be anything, more wishes. No, like... <laughs> I, I I have to draw make make it reasonable. Like it'd be easy to say, the Lions win the next fifty Super Bowls in a row. But I feel like that's not reasonable, even with it being a, just a straight up wish. Like I want to be mm-hmm. something more, like realistic. I guess <sighs> it would be that the Lions win the Super Bowl, but not this year. If I can make this like a have a couple parts, like. I would wish that Patricia is fired and that we hire a new coach who wins the Super Bowl in the next two years. What if there was like a caveat? Like, what if you said Lions win the next 50 Super Bowls, but you're not alive to see any of them? So I die today? (laughs) No, not today. (laughs) The Super Bowl's in February. Oh, okay. (laughs) Holy crap. Okay. Okay. Okay, like my intention with the question was more of just if I guess if there were fifty Super Bowl fifty Super Bowls that they win in a row, but you're not able to see any of them. Oh, so it'd be like a hundred years from now or something. Or you're sure. just saying I'm not allowed to watch them, maybe, but they happen now. No, I think it's better that you don't even get to experience them. Like, how would you feel about that wish? Because like you know that eventually. In your team's history, they're going to be like the most dominant NFL team ever. Don't but while care. you're while you're alive, don't they... care. Okay, I'm selfish. It's like the environment. If it doesn't affect my time that I'm on Earth, I don't care. <laughs> right. Yeah. Same with like voting. Right. Right. Yeah. Like president. Yeah. Yeah. Not my problem. No, I would rather. Or here's another way to put it: I'd rather win one Super Bowl for the Lions in my lifetime than have them win ten in a row the decade after i've died and i hope my children aren't lions fans so it shouldn't affect them anyway or what about this what if you got the guarantee that the lions would win every game for the rest of their history but you were never allowed to watch them again i mean that sounds like a win-win to me (laughs) i mean if obviously they're winning games i'd want to watch them but to say right now i don't have to watch the lions anymore and then also knowing that by doing that they're better sure okay well for me my personally my wish is a bears super bowl just because i haven't like i've seen them play in the super bowl Mm -hmm. but that that's the one team that hasn't won in my lifetime i don't remember the bulls in the championship Mm -hmm. so i that would be number two for me right there um but i mean i guess notre dame also now that I'm a Notre Dame fan. But that's not um, as invested over a long stretch of time as yeah. the Bears are. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, <sighs> like as much as I want a Bears Super Bowl or a Bulls championship, I think what I want more than anything is I would wish for – I. If I broke a wishbone right now and won, and the wish would come true, I would wish that the years 2020 to 2030 would be, like, would be, like, the years, like, it would be the most dominant decade of Cubs baseball ever. 
where wow. they're like yeah. where they're like the '90s, early thousands Yankees, where they're making like four or five World Series in a row mm-hmm. and winning like three or four of them. Like, well, even if it wasn't quite to that level, just saying the most dominant decade ever compared to this past decade yeah. would mean you're winning multiple World Series. So exactly, I well that that's what I'm comparing it to is the Yankees. Like yeah, you're you're you are appear in the decade you are appearing in anywhere from like five to seven World Series. Hmm. Like you're always like annually the NL representative in the World Series, nice. and you know like three four of those years you are winning it. Hmm. Like that would be, I can't really think of anything that'd be like the only thing I could think of would be better is if the Bears went on a Patriots like dynasty run, right? But that seems so far from reality. Even for a <laughs> magic even... wishbone break, there's some things that just seem too unrealistic. <laughs> yeah. I know. No, I get you. Yeah. And it, it is, it would be a nice feeling. Like, obviously, it's amazing to win. Not that I would know, but it'd be amazing to win a Super Bowl. But having that one time event versus a decade of sustained dominance yeah. where, like, every year you know your team is going to be right in the mix again for it. Um, yeah, that's a great decade. So that's a good. One. I mean, for you, like, I was a little surprised you didn't go with like Michigan, basically yeah. Michigan taking the status of what o- Ohio State is right now. Right, like, like Michigan becomes the premier football program in America for the next yeah. decade. Yeah, honestly, I'd probably I, I I'm so far out of it right now with Michigan where I just don't even think about it. But if I had to sit down and think about it, if I could choose between Michigan football dominance and Lions dominance, I'd take Michigan. Um, yeah, it's it's sad though because it always felt like Michigan was so much closer to that than the Lions are, and yeah. now it feels like they're both just as far away. <laughs> so, huh. I guess another wish in kind of a different way, like different than what we were talking about, that I'd like to experience is if I could wish to be like not lose any years on my life, but to go back, drop me in 1991 without any prior knowledge of the bulls and live the 90s mm. without knowing what would happen oh yeah like watch them and, all like you're watching for the first time yeah so i have no knowledge the bulls win six titles and i start in 91 they've never won a title before in their history they beat the lakers magic and the Lakers. like yeah. imagine that feeling like you live through that like that would be kind of an alternative way to take this like instead mm. of producing titles like just take me back to a time that i was not yeah. a, like alive or aware of and take away any knowledge i have of that team or instead of us going back say that comes to here so that never happened yeah, sure but say like all the same players same with pistons and bulls like all that same rivalry and dominance yeah. and players never happened then and happens starting this coming year these are the and players I, and everybody who's drafted. It plays out the exact same way. Imagine how great the rivalry would be, how fun it would be for both of us, how much great stuff there'd be to talk about on the podcast with those bad boys, Jordan rivalries. Like, Well, yeah. and Jordan's the main reason I thought about like going back or him coming this way because yeah. like I could wish for a decade of Bulls dominance, but there already was that and i was with like like the greatest player that's ever played and yep. so i'd rather go back and watch him in his prime cuz that's almost than... transcends the dominance of the bulls yeah you know yeah no good answer oh man well let's uh let's conclude with our silver lining on this very thankful episode mhm well my silver lining and what i'm thankful for this week is that on this week 
college basketball returns. Michigan plays this week. Um, the the Big Ten is loaded Who? this year. Uh, I think it's like mm-hmm. Oakland University. They they play, which is normally what football does except joking. for the covid year <laughs> but like when you said michigan i said who oh like, like, I, thought I, who they play. Yeah. No, I don't care <laughs> yeah. who they play <laughs> yeah some well michigan is a basketball school so you should definitely have heard of our basketball team um and a hockey school so just cool like Lacrosse. the big 10 <laughs> the big 10 is loaded this year uh i think there's seven teams when we looked on an earlier episode seven teams in the top 25 um i think michigan has a good chance to win the big 10 this year and do a lot of damage in march madness there's already working on locations for that so it seems like that's going to be able to happen with how bad football's been i'm so excited for the nba coming up and for college basketball like i already have plans to fully lock into both of those and try to watch basically all the regular season games which i've never done um but there was a poll i saw on twitter that was like which conference will like dominate the top 25 or whatever Mm -hmm. or dominate college basketball this year and i honestly couldn't believe how many people were voting for not the big 10 like when you look at the top 25 there's big 10 teams everywhere i think it's probably because historically like the acc and conferences like that have been so much more dominant there's still like a i mean a reputation that's deserved but like act is going to get a lot of votes and they're a solid conference this year too but like i think a lot of it is people aren't used to seeing the big 10 as dominant as it's going to be like Iowa has always been a kind of solid program, but they're a top five team this year. And like Wisconsin's always been okay, but they're a top ten team. Illinois right now, so. top ten. Yep. So yeah, it's going to be actually Wisconsin might not be top. I think they're top ten, but yeah, it's going to be a loaded Big Ten. Um. So yeah, can't wait. I'm excited, and it's definitely something to be thankful for. Well, my silver lining is just Thanksgiving. I like Thanksgiving. Um. At for me, in terms of like favorite holidays, it's definitely not number one or number two. Um, probably more like a number three, maybe even number four, which might Dang. sound like slander to some people. Um, well, happy Thanksgiving. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> maybe number eight after Veterans Day. <laughs> Columbus Day is up there, though. Maybe number nine. Groundhog. <laughs> oh, ten. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I really love my ground the Groundhog's Day traditions we have as a family. We go get Arby's every Groundhog's Day, but Thanksgiving's okay too. Yeah, man. So, so well, who knew goes, Kyle hated Thanksgiving? So I don't. It goes Easter, okay, then Christmas, okay, and then, then most it's gotta be Thanksgiving, right? Well, most likely Thanksgiving, but I do like Fourth of July okay. stuff. That's yeah, okay. but I think I still put Thanksgiving third anyway okay i can i love thanksgiving i do really love it like i love football like my brothers-in-law we're probably gonna go outside throw the football for a while we're probably gonna shoot guns like yeah yeah eat turkey eat ham because i'm at my in-laws whoa yeah (laughs) (laughs) green bean casserole is Mm. my favorite thanksgiving side with the little like onion crispy pieces Mm -hmm. pecan pie is my favorite pie um we're gonna I'm pretty sure tomorrow we're going to go out and stock up the fridge of with alcohol. Mm. Like, it's going to be good. And I'll get to watch the Lions and Texans play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Cowboys and the football team play. And the Steelers and the Ravens play. Yeah. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm excited. And yep. my family, since I'm the only one that's married and has kids, my family's waiting for us. And we're doing Thanksgiving with them on Black Friday. So I get Thanksgiving two days in a row. <gasps> wow. Which is really nice. Yeah. Planned so, that out well. Nice. Yeah. And I'm also, my silver lining has been that I got to do this podcast with you. Aww. Yeah. Thank you for that. I am thankful for that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> if you were here, I'd kiss you on the cheek. Mm. <laughs> shake your left hand, gobble. Shake your right hand, gobble. Shake your tail now, gobble, gobble, gobble. Shake your left foot, gobble. Shake your right foot, gobble. Shake your tail now, gobble, gobble, gobble. Well, that's what we're frustrated and thankful about today. What about you? Share your frustrations and thankfulness with us or about us at Real FN Podcast on social media or frustrationnation at shootyourshotsports.com. Go voice your frustrations and leave us a review. And if you're frustrated that this episode is over or thankful that it's over because you want to hear more, which doesn't make sense, be sure to look for new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday everywhere you can get podcasts and be sure to subscribe. If you get as frustrated as we do or you just enjoy hearing us gab, consider supporting the show on Patreon for a monthly subscription or on Venmo tip jar for a one-time donation. Every little bit helps, even $1, which is only... $24.35 less than the cost of a 15-pound turkey that I'll throw at least 30 feet makes a big difference for us. We appreciate your support. Now get out there and frustrate the hate. The thankfulness. Now get out there and <laughs> be thankful for the hate. That's right. That's right. Frustrate the thankfulness. That was the settler's motto. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble, the turkey goes. Gobble, gobble, the turkey Man. goes. Gobble, gobble, gobble. <laughs> the beautiful. Gobble, gobble, the or amber goes. waves gobble, of green. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Purple mountain can majesty. Can I have a beat? Can I, I love move the my feet? Can I have a turkey to eat? It's Thanksgiving. Let's go all in where we have a turkey to eat. There's pumpkin pie. There's stuffing. Oh, my. And the people that I love are near. Shake your left hand, gobble, shake your right hand, gobble, shake your tail now, gobble, gobble, gobble. Shake your left foot, gobble, shake your right foot, gobble, shake your tail now, gobble, gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble, the turkey goes, gobble, gobble, the turkey goes, gobble, gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble, the turkey goes, gobble, gobble, the turkey goes, gobble, gobble, gobble. gobble.